Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. What is up exactly with Justin Herbert? What is up with Dallas Mavericks not named Luka Doncic? And is there too much parody in the NFL right now? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The L.A. Chargers came into the season as trendy sleeper Super Bowl picks. Justin Herbert was getting MVP buzz, but after a 22-16 loss at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers, the Chargers dropped to 5-4 and four in an AFC where they don't look like they're in the same class as the Chiefs, the Bills, maybe even the Dolphins. Joining me now from Locked On Chargers, David Drogemeyer. And and David, you made a face when I said that as sort of like, yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell you about that. So what what is going on with this team? Why have they not met expectations so far this season? Yeah, so there are injuries, and then there are the injuries that the Chargers have suffered this season. <laughs> I mean, they are vast. Is they that 2020? Is that 2021? Is that 2019? What, what year are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about 2022. You lose oh, your left again. tackle. Yes. Yeah. And another year, I mean, actually last year they had pretty decent injury luck Um, this year. Not so much. Everything regressed back to the mean. And that means for the Chargers, devastating injuries (laughs) across their entire team. (laughs) So no left tackle. Rashawn Slater goes out, tears his ruptures, his bicep tendon. He's gone for the year. Then you have Keenan Allen, who has played 22 snaps this entire season. You know, he's been day to day since week one. Um, now we're in week 10. Um, you know, we have yet to have him and, and Mike Williams play together. Joey Bosa, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He goes down with a serious injury. Still waiting to get him back at some point this season. The Chargers have had to try to stay afloat and try to figure it out because the attrition that they have suffered this season has been just awful. You know, it, it, there's really not many other ways to put it, Peter. That this Chargers team is as, you know, honestly, it's miraculous that they are still above 500 with not only the amount of injuries, but the significance of those injuries and where they are and what they mean to this team. This offense, with the understanding that Mike Williams has been in and out of the lineup, Keenan Allen has been more out of the lineup than in by a lot this season. Uh, Justin Herbert has not been the sort of world beater that we saw last year and certainly saw in his rookie season. Is it as simple as, well, he's playing with fewer than the allotted number of ribs that that he should have? Or or what is it that, that you can point to and say, yeah, this is why Justin Herbert doesn't look like the guy that we thought he could be, where, where we could be talking about him at the end of the year as like at just as good, if not better than Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, those guys. Well, it's just a matter of who he has available. I mean, who is he throwing the football to? I mean, he has two 20 plus million dollar wide receivers that are on the shelf, you know, and so he's trying to make do with a, you know, 2021 third round pick and Josh Palmer being your number one wide receiver. And then the slew of practice squad guys that he's trying to go out there and make it work with. And yeah, he's got Austin Eckler, but he has two backup tackles, you know, tight end Gerald Everett went out with an injury as well in that San Francisco 49ers game. And so he's just having to do anything he possibly can with, you know, the limited amount of talent that he has available. And so, you know, you see quarterbacks like Tua Tagovailoa have fantastic weapons, you know, guys that can absolutely light it up 
And you have Justin Herbert right now who has very little weapons and he's trying to create. And hey, you know, there are quarterbacks that enhance the talent and then there are quarterbacks that are enhanced by the talent. And I think right now, if the Chargers didn't have Justin Herbert, we're looking at a much different season here. We're looking at a two and and six, two and seven, you know, two and eight football team right now. The you know the the fact that Justin Herbert is is somewhat healthy is the only reason why the Chargers are not in much worse shape. Now, finally, they are going to get those hopefully those two twenty plus million dollar wide receivers back. There are reports that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams will return to practice this week, and that is absolutely brilliant news for the chargers who have just dealt with such incredible injuries to get those guys back then you might start seeing the justin herbert that you expected to see this season stay up to date all year on the la chargers by subscribing to locked on sports today the locked on chargers podcast on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get podcasts thanks for making locked on sports today your first listen coming up who will step up in dallas to help luka Doncic? Before we get to that, though, Sean McVay confirms a suspicion. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. There are a few pick'em games in Wednesday's slate of college basketball, which means if you have leans, take advantage. Biggest game of the night is Gonzaga heading to Texas. Bet Online expects a war in that one. Also, a pick'em in Iowa Seton Hall. Bet Online likes the Pirates to be pesky at home. Say that one three times fast. And the early slate of games has two mid-major powerhouses going at it. Harvard and Northeastern. Bet Online has no points in that one either. It's a pick. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Sean McVay confirmed LA Rams fans' fears on Tuesday. Probably a lot of fantasy football owners' fears as well. Cooper Cup will have surgery on his injured ankle. Reports suggest the recovery time will be five or six weeks, but McVay is not ruling out a return for the Super Bowl MVP this season. No, I wouldn't do that. But I, I think, you know, what we've learned more than anything, especially this year, is let's just take it a day at a time. Um, let's see how that procedure goes uh, tomorrow when he gets that done. Um, let's make sure that all the things that they initially thought based on what the MRI looked like were in alignment. How does that surgery go? But um, I don't think you want to pigeonhole yourself into one one approach. But you do know that um, you know that's the the first step is the uh, is is the surgery, and then you know the appropriate steps will be followed after that. But that's kind of where we're uh, where we are right now. McVay also not ruling out a Super Bowl return, but we are everyone else's. That's not happening. Washington Commanders coach Ron Rivera has not named a starting quarterback for this week. Carson Wentz was expected to miss four games, which would mean he'd be healthy this week. But Taylor Heineke just beat the Philadelphia Eagles. As to what Rivera is thinking on the matter, well... Well, we're going to see what happens this week. Um, We have not had an opportunity, I have not had an opportunity to sit down with Alan and go through what the doctors have decided, what they've decided. But the first thing I'm gonna tell everybody is let's don't get ahead of ourselves because remember, we gotta return him to practice first and see where he is if he is cleared and ready to go. So we'll go from there, guys. And and, and be honest with you guys, um, when I do decide this and this is done, um, you guys are gonna be the last ones to know. I gotta inform people. I've gotta talk, sit down and talk to Scott and Kenny 
Then I talk to the quarterbacks, and then I've got to uh, talk to my football team guys. Uh, so for the most part, you guys will be the last ones to get noticed, uh, notified. Buck Showalter became the first manager in the history of the New York Mets franchise to win NL Manager of the Year. He also became the first manager to win the award with four different teams. In the American League, Terry Francona won the third manager of the year award of his career with the Guardians. The real story in all of this, the manager of the year news is Rob Thompson, the man who took over for Joe Girardi in Philadelphia in May and led the Phillies to the World Series, finished fifth in NL manager of the year voting. I don't know, they went to the World Series. Kind of seems like an oversight. On the college hardwood, the Champions Classic took place tonight. Kentucky took on Michigan State and Duke facing Kansas. This is as blue blood a clash as it can get. Michigan State and Kentucky, Duke and Kansas, these games gave us everything we should have had to kick off the college basketball season last week. Hey there, I'm Isaac Shade, one of the hosts of Locked On College Basketball. The most unheralded of these four teams coming in, Michigan State, is actually the team I want to talk about most. Tom Izzo outcoached John Calipari on Tuesday night. The Spartans have now come within two points of knocking off two top four teams in a span of just five days. So when the AP rankings refresh next week, let's not ease Michigan State in. This is a top 10 team immediately. It was also great to get back reigning National Player of the Year, Oscar Shibway. Many were worrying about how his knee would respond coming back. He'll be just fine, thank you very much. Played 34 minutes, 22 points, and 18 rebounds, picking up right where he left off last season. As for the nightcap, if Kansas is going to shoot 3 of 19 from 3 and knock off Duke, I have severely underestimated Bill Self's squad this year. I cannot get enough of freshman Grady Dick. This dude has poise and swagger. Three straight buckets down the stretch to give Kansas the lead that they would not relinquish. They've got all the parts you need to potentially repeat as national champions, but it's all got to come together under Jalen Wilson, who has to be the dude to make that happen. And on the professional hardwood, John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies took on the Zion Williamson-less New Orleans Pelicans. And John, by the way, made one of the most ridiculous steals you will ever see. Go find the clip if you haven't seen it. The Memphis Grizzlies lost in New Orleans on Tuesday night, and that feels pretty depressing, kind of down about it. But in reality, there were some things to be excited about, or at least one really big thing or big guy to be excited about coming out of this game. I'm Joe Mullinax of Locked On Grizzlies. Jaron Jackson Jr. made his return in this contest, and while he did not have the offensive night that he or any Memphis Grizzlies fan would want for him to have in his return to play, he looked the part defensively, multiple blocks, very impactful. Credit the Pelicans, they had a very strong offensive game, and they took advantage of Memphis being without Desmond Bain. Speaking about being without Desmond Bain. The Memphis Grizzlies need to find scoring from someone other than John Morant. Morant cannot do it alone. Dylan Brooks can't do it efficiently on a night-in, night-out basis. When your third best scorer is Brandon Clark, things are not going to go well for you. Jaron Jackson Jr., get your feet under you quick. Without Desmond Bain, Memphis needs your score. Here is another story you need to know. All right, stop me if you've heard this before. Luka Doncic is incredible. I have actually heard that before, Peter. I don't know if you're the first one to say that at this point. 
Nick Angstead, Locked On Mavericks, joins me now. 35 points in a 103-101 win over the LA Clippers. And Nick, the reason I wanted to talk to you, not just about this game, but about this season, is Luka has taken on an unbelievable burden as an isolation scorer, as a ball handler. All of his usage numbers are absolutely off the charts. So where can this team turn to find another level? Because right now they're 8-5. and five. They're playing solid basketball, but they don't look to be in that tier of true contenders, at least not yet. Yeah, Luca is it at a certain point, right? He's the guy that can give them guaranteed offense. He's the guy that can create offense unlike anybody else in the NBA right now. And so you're like, okay, at a certain point, you understand giving Luca the ball a lot, give, like making Luca handle the ball a ton. But where they are right now is you have two games back-to-back a couple days ago against the Orlando Magic without Paolo Bencaro and against the Wizards without Bradley Beal and Porzingis. And Luca looks awful in those games. Mm-hmm. He's like lugging himself around. He's trying to figure out, okay, well, where's my shot going to come from now? He's like rolling his eyes. He's, you know, getting slow to get back on defense. And you can't have those games, like two games every 10 games or so like this. And it seems like that's the pace that they're going to be on. He also played Eurobasket over the summer. So there's been a lot of talk about, well, he didn't get a lot of time to get out of shape over the offseason. Well, he also didn't have a lot of time to rest over the offseason too. So where they turn to, I think, is what they did in the first half of this Clippers game, they they shared the ball a lot. Seemed like a lot of guys were getting involved. Luca still had a bunch of shots and a bunch of assists and things, but it was on short possessions. It wasn't on just Luca ISO top of the key and just drive on a guy, body the center, and then put the ball up. Like that's the stuff that tires him out. And it felt like the more ball movement, the more you can get Dinwiddie involved in some ball movement stuff, the better for Luca's usage. At what point do you need someone like Spencer Dinwiddie or Christian Wood, who they went out and and spent money on to to bring in this offseason? Christian Wood, six of eight in this game, 15 and seven. He's been a really nice piece for them. Could he be doing more to help ease the burden on Luka Doncic so that when you need him in the postseason, we saw Luka against this Clippers team, give them everything they could handle. Could you get something from some of these other guys or do they need to make a move to make this all easier on Luca, they need to make a move. I, I, it was very clear in the post game tonight. It's been clear since I don't know summer. <laughs> it's been it's been clear since the off season that this team needs another ball handler. The Mavericks for two years didn't have another ball handler next to Luca, and it showed. We were calling like a Jalen Brunson type, maybe. And then they got a Jalen Brunson type who who rose to the ranks and eventually became the player that we saw in the playoffs last year. They also made the trade for Porzingis, you know, sending Porzingis to Washington for Spencer Dinwiddie. And all of a sudden you have Luca and two ball handlers at the same time. And it was just a breath of fresh air. And then you lose one of those ball handlers. Dinwiddie's been awesome this year. He was not particularly great in this game, but he's been great this year. And you still need one more. They still need at least a third ball handler, if not one that's better than Dinwiddie, to make this team be as good as they can. On the Christian Wood note, he does give them a little bit of extra offense a little bit extra punch he's he's a way better shooter than you would think for a guy that's 6'10 and he just uh, he doesn't have the trust of the coaches right now they try to give it to him in little spurts here and there and then he just wastes it with a bad turnover he had what did he have four he had four in this game tonight or a bad foul or it's really the defense that was going to be the thing for him all season is can he defend at a high enough level and they've really been really hesitant to play him not with Maxi Kleba and Maxi Kleba goes out at halftime with an injury after a really bad fall. And then Christian Wood can't really play too much later in the game. I was really interested to see how they were going to handle that in this game specifically, how they were going to play Christian Wood if Maxi wasn't there. And the answer is they did not play him as much as, <laughs> as, as a lot of people thought they would. 
Stay up to date all year on the Dallas Mavericks by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Mavericks podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, is there too much parody in the NFL right now? Super teams, dynasties, and Tom Brady, oh my. There used to be villains to root for and against in the NFL, but now there seems to be a conglomeration of teams that could either be Super Bowl contenders or also rants. Locked on NFL host Tony Wiggins and James Rapine have some thoughts on this. It's a lot of parody, man. The, the difference between Buffalo and, let's just say, Dallas, who's down at like number seven, is not that much. And that means that there's parody in the NFL, real parody. People always talk about having parody until they get it. And then when they get it, they get angry that there's no David versus Goliath. You know, there's no there's no big dragon that you have to slay. I've yep. always said that in sports, there's always been dominance. Whether you go back to basketball with UCLA and John Wooden, where you got the five best players in the country every single year, or Gino Ariyama in women's basketball. There's always been just this dominant team, the Yankees. You go through the Lakers. There's always been this thing. People act as if the lack of parity or the void of parity is like this harmful thing until they get it. And I'll give you an example. A few years, it was not a few years back, you know, about a decade or so ago, there was parity in the NBA, and the worst finals ever was the Spurs and the Pistons. Nobody wanted to see it. But those are the two teams that quote unquote played the game the right way, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 they weren't full of superstars that people thought were these Duncan guys dunking all over the place and everything. It was Tim Duncan. It was Mr. Fundamental. It was Larry Brown. And he was going and nobody watched it. So the question is, is is there too much parody in in, in the NFL? And at some point, are we gonna pay for it? And folks are mm-hmm. gonna be disinterested because there's no dragon to slay. The idea that we hate hegemons in sports is wrong. We love to hate dynasties, to hate great teams. We love to hate the villains. If you're not a Yankees fan, you love to hate the Yankees. When the LA Dodgers went down in this postseason with a historic payroll and a historic point differential going back 100 years, guess who loved it? Baseball fans, when LeBron James beat the 73-win Warriors, it was one of the most incredible accomplishments in sports history. Kyrie Irving's big shot, he's dined out on that shot for years. These are seminal moments in sports, and we don't get them without the big bad. There is no David without Goliath. And so that means you have to build Goliath first. So, sure, when the Patriots come back to beat the Atlanta Falcons 28-3, to that's not quite as fun. But when the Titans upset Tom Brady in the playoffs or when the Jets beat Tom Brady and the Patriots, the dynastic Patriots in the playoffs, and he says, can't wait about getting to play The following week, we love it as sports fans. That is what sports is about. The big bad going down at the hands of the underdog. When Nick Foles and the Eagles, because of trick plays that are now ensconced in bronze, 
outside the stadium in Philadelphia, when they beat Tom Brady and the Patriots, it goes down as an all-time classic. This is what sports is about. And this year, we don't have those teams. It's hard to get excited about the Super Bowl because what is the storyline? Who is the villain? Who is the hero? Who is the underdog? In a way, everyone's underdogs. And when everyone is an underdog, then no one is. And finally, the college football playoff rankings were released. The top four, unchanged. Easy enough. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU all sat still. The real question will be what happens in two weeks. If USC wins out against two ranked opponents, UCLA and Notre Dame, and Tennessee wins out against two unranked opponents, will the committee choose the Trojans over the Volunteers? Right now, it feels like a no, but then that's why we love to see the parody in college football as human beings have to decide who is in and who is out. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, what can we expect from the AFC this season? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.